Woke Pedagogies is a podcast that engages in critical conversations about inequities in our society. Join me, Elena Fowles, and co-host David Staley as we work to build inclusive spaces of teaching and learning that unapologetically and intentionally dialogue with issues that center the lives and experiences of students, educators, and the community. Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. But how do we balance free speech with academic freedom and maintain inclusive learning environments? On this episode, we sit down with Gretchen Ritter, Executive Dean and Vice Provost of the College of Arts and Sciences at The Ohio State University, as she speaks directly to the sometimes delicate issue of academic freedom and appropriate speech in the classroom, particularly during politically charged moments. Dean Ritter, how are you personally thinking about your role as a scholar, educator, leader in this moment when so many social, political, economic, and health issues are facing the country and the world more broadly? What are your thoughts on scholar-educator roles in times like these? So thank you, David, and thank you for the opportunity to have this conversation with you today. In addition to being a dean, I'm a political scientist. I'm also a citizen. I'm also a parent. And I think of this moment as a moment where the purpose of what we do as teachers and as scholars couldn't be more compelling, couldn't be clearer. Uh, This is what we're here for. Uh, At an institution that tries to encourage citizenship, This can and should be a place where students come to understand complex and difficult issues, where they gain some insights, some knowledge, and some perspective, and where I think quite importantly, they learn to talk to folks who might not share their views and to navigate difficult dialogues in productive ways. What suggestions or advice do you have for how faculty can talk about race in their classes? How do we assist new faculty in feeling prepared to participate in these sometimes difficult conversations? So, of course, it's challenging to be a new teacher and a new teacher at a new institution where you don't know the students yet, where uh, you feel like you're uh, trying out this new role every day. Uh, I think one of the things that's important for teaching more generally is to find mentors, Mm -hmm. to find folks within your department, to find folks elsewhere within the college and the university who you can talk through what you want to do, how best to approach it. I also want to suggest to new faculty that being able to teach at a time like this is it's an honor, it's a privilege. It's a chance to really feel like you're making a difference. Now, I do think it's important for people to understand that they should always be thinking about how to talk about particular issues in subject-appropriate ways. And that's going to be easier, of course, in some subject areas than others. So, 
you shouldn't just be talking about a Supreme Court case if you're teaching physics, uh, just as you shouldn't be talking about um, virus issues that might have to do with the science of it if you're teaching in philosophy. Uh, so making sure that you stay within that subject domain is appropriate, but I uh, really feel that people can be creative and thoughtful about how to do that. How do current events allow us to enter into dialogue with our students about, about being engaged citizens? How do we acknowledge what's happening on the outside to inform our classroom dialogues? I think one of the things to be aware of as we start down this path is that students really respond to conversations about contemporary issues that in fact a lot of the literature on learning tells you that if you can connect it to things that they find relevant and compelling, they're going to engage more, they're going to learn more. So it is a learning opportunity in and of itself. Now I understand that it can feel fraught, these are difficult issues, people have strong feelings about it, and I think it's important to teach people how to have conversations about these issues. It is very important that we teach our students to be respectful with someone that they might differ from, to never personally disparage someone. I think that we need to teach them how to think about knowledge claims. What's the logic? What's the evidence? What are the facts that someone is relying on? What are the value propositions that someone's relying on? Doing that kind of work with students is a really important part, I think, of training them to be good citizens. I think the other thing that I like to do is I like to encourage our students to go out of their way, if they know they may differ with someone, to go out of their way to work on listening and understanding to start by saying, why does this person believe this? What in their values, what in their background and experience, what in terms of who they're listening to, how their views are being shaped, contributes to how they think about this. And I also think if we can encourage people to say, yes, you may disagree about this piece of it, but if you go three steps back, you may find something you agree about. And if you can find that piece that you agree about, maybe you can find a path towards better understanding and sharing, which I think is an important part of, as citizens, pursuing the common good. And that conversation presumably is not subject specific, or maybe it is. It has to always be subject specific if we're doing it in the classroom. Now, of course, instructors have other opportunities to interact with students. And I think it's incredibly important, especially now, especially as we're in a, a situation where our students don't have as many opportunities to connect personally, either with their peers or with their instructors, that we look for ways that they can share and connect with us. You know, online office hours, other potentially outdoor activities that are done safely. 
I think making sure that we check in with our students, that we provide a caring and safe environment for them to talk about things that might not be about the subject area is always appropriate. And especially in a time like this, that is as fraught and stressful as it is for many people. But coming back to the classroom piece, yes, we need to think about how to do this in the context of what is subject appropriate. And I do think there are broader opportunities for that. You could think about how in a microbiology class, you could begin to try and talk about and understand why this virus is having a bigger impact in communities of color. You could think about in a class on early American military history, how we might compare early militias to police forces. What were the motives behind them? How were they used, et cetera? You could think about how in an applied math class, algorithms are used to shape opportunities in ways that sometimes benefit some groups and hurt others. So there are subject appropriate ways, I think, to do this and trying to kind of think those through in a way that connects to where students are and helps them to learn within that subject frame is a great thing to do. How is the College of Arts and Sciences equipping faculty to engage in conversations about social justice issues in the classroom? We are encouraging all of our chairs and directors to think about this right now. We had a retreat of the chairs and directors just before the start of the semester, and it was on the topic of racial justice and social equity. And uh, one of our um, pleas to all of them is this is coming to your classrooms all across the college, we know this is gonna be coming to your classrooms. You need to help your students and your instructors by thinking together now about how to anticipate this and turn this into positive learning opportunities. So we think we've helped to foster more specific conversations within various schools and departments about how to do this. We also, of course, are doing things like this, preparing podcasts that we hope will be helpful to people. We are also pointing people to resources at the Drake Institute for Teaching and Learning, which provides a lot of really excellent resources that can be helpful to people on this topic. And as I said earlier, I think it's incredibly important that any new teacher, and especially this semester, um, seek out and connect to mentors who are going to help them think about teaching in particular. As a learning space, we embrace academic freedom and in the broader context, recognize the responsibilities that come with freedom of speech and expression. In times like these, how do we honor these freedoms on a university campus? So I honestly think we have more work to do on this front. I think we have more work to do with our students and with some of our colleagues in trying to think about and understand key concepts like academic freedom and freedom of speech. I think there are controversies and differences related to these issues about hate speech, about speech codes, about what are the boundaries of academic freedom, 
when uh, a faculty member is doing something in social media, is that within the boundaries or outside of the boundaries? How should they be held accountable for that? I think we should be thinking about and talking about all of those things as part of this larger conversation. I want our students to think about why, why is freedom of speech something that we value? What role has it played historically? My own sense is that a lot of young people haven't had an opportunity to think that through in real depth yet. And I don't think we should be giving them one answer. I think we should be fostering the conversation. I think we should be exposing them to competing points of view about this. And I am grateful for various groups on campus that help to foster those sorts of conversations. One group I would point to that I think often does an excellent job of that is the Center for Ethics and Human Values. Dean Reader, what are the possibilities for addressing racial justice within the context of academic freedom? What does freedom of speech in the classroom look like? Are there limits on speech in the classroom? And I want to just say, too, that a couple of years ago before you joined OSU, we had an incident in Haggerty Hall, and it was, I believe, right after the, the 2016 election. And there was a lot of hate speech writing across the university, but in Haggerty Hall in particular, and that's the building that fosters languages and cultures, diversity at its best in terms of what we teach, right? So, you know, going back to that question, how do we deal with that, right? In the classroom, maybe outside the classroom when incidents like that, you know, are happening in our own buildings? Yeah, thank you for the question. Let's talk about a couple of different contexts. Let's start with the classroom. Within the classroom, I think there are limits on speech that should be understood and respected. One of the limits on speech ought to be that it be speech that is appropriate to the subject of the class, right? So if a student suddenly kind of wants to take off on something that has nothing to do with the lesson for the day, the text that have been read, et cetera, it is perfectly appropriate for an instructor to say, hey, this is interesting. It's great that you've got views on this, but this is not the space to be doing that in. It is also, I think, important that we work to foster and train our students how to have difficult conversations in productive ways. So setting out some ground rules of being respectful, of not being personally disparaging, really encouraging our students to become good listeners by even asking them to do exercises where they might reflect back. So what did that person just say? And then asking the person who spoke, did they get it right? I think that's a skill we could do much more of. Now, even with all of that in mind, there will be times where students say really harmful things. And I think one of the first and most important things we need to do is we need to think about who's hurt by that language. And we need to think about how to reach out to and reassure students who may feel disparaged or disrespected or marginalized by something that's been said that, you know, they belong 
here that they shouldn't have uh, been subject to that and that we care about them. I think that's really critical. Figuring out how to do that in that particular moment depends upon the context, but I think one of the first things we need to think about is a student who feels hurt or marginalized by that. I think we need to talk about how do we steer this in a direction of productive conversation. And I think we also need to recognize that 18 to 21 year olds are not always great at being inclusive, right? Um, and it's important to recognize that 18 to 21 year olds are not always great at being inclusive because they're in a moment where they're practicing being adults and they're discovering what their own views and identities are and there's a tendency to grasp onto these in, in righteous ways as you sort of first embrace those deeply. So I also think it's important for us to be generous, to be teachers, to help redirect, to help people be a little more productive in how they share their, their points of view. Now, on the, the other thing that you brought up, which is a question about a larger environment where you may be seeing examples of hate speech emerge, and I don't know what the particular things were that were being posted there. I think it's important that we distinguish political speech we might not like from hate speech, right? I think it's also important that we distinguish speech statements that are general, that we might not like, from those that are targeted and specific. Anytime a speech act is expressing hatred, disparagement that is specific, it needs to be very strongly countered. If it is speech that kind of borders on the political, if it's speech that is more general, I think we speak back to it. I think we talk about why this does not fit within our views. And I think we also look to reassure members of our community that they are welcomed and respected here. I wanted to ask how you see our land grant university mission informing how we engage this moment. What are the expectations of us as a land grant university? And us, we, it means you know, faculty, staff, students, administrators, are we expected to come up with solutions that speak to the issues confronting our community? I will certainly say that offering our students the opportunity to gain knowledge and perspective on complex and highly relevant public issues is exactly what we should be doing at a land-grant university. And when there are highly relevant and complex public issues, it takes different kinds of expertise and points of view to help a community think about how to resolve it. It is not the job of the university to solve these issues. It is the job of the university to help equip the broader public and our students to be able to help resolve these issues. And we do that in two ways. We do that as educators and we do that as researchers. We do that as educators and helping our students to be 
engage students in a diverse democracy and to understand different points of view and to help seek out common ground. We do it as researchers in helping the broader public to understand some of the things that may be relevant, to understand the impact of uh, racial disparities in health or in economic opportunity and the harms that are done to us as a community as a result of this, to understand the history of policing in this country would be another example. Giving them that background and equipment is also helping the broader public to think about and seek appropriate solutions to this. Are there any tangible ways or initiatives that exist in the college or across the university that are promising for helping us be engaged citizens or help our students be engaged citizens. I always include myself because as an educator, we know that we're always learning. Every semester, my students teach me something new. So what are some of those initiatives that help us focus on our pursuit for social justice and a more equitable society? I think it's important that as educators, we also be humble and open enough to realize how much we can gain and learn from our students. And I as well, every time I teach, feel as though I'm the beneficiary of that experience. I think that there are very promising things happening right now. I am deeply encouraged by the number of instructors from across the college who over the last few months and from across all of our departments and disciplines have reached out and said, these are really important things that we need to be working on and addressing. Here's what I'm thinking about. What do you think? And just encouraging those ground up efforts and realizing that these are going to look different in different departments and areas, but that we all have a responsibility as part of this institution and particularly as part of a land grant institution to be making contributions to this. I also think we have a huge opportunity in our new general education curriculum. So the new general education curriculum tries to take seriously this commitment of educating students for citizenship. And one of the requirements within this curriculum is for students to complete a theme on citizenship in a just and diverse world. And that's something that we can address again from such a wide range of points of view. And my own feeling is that To be a good citizen, you need to be able to understand and imagine the world in different ways. I actually think that an arts and sciences education more broadly is the formula for being a thoughtful, engaged citizen. Mm -hmm. Um, We need to understand statistics. We need to understand history. We need to understand the range of language and cultures that make up this country, among other things. So... The last thing I would suggest as an area of huge opportunity is engaged coursework. I think students, of course, learn in a variety of different settings and encouraging students to learn outside the classroom, uh, whether it be in, within the community, whether it be in study abroad settings, 
I think can have an enormous impact on their overall orientation and learning. Right. You're speaking my language. I teach service learning courses. So I know I witness every semester the transformation that it has on our students. And, and again, I am humbled by it and I am learning with them. And it's a wonderful, we build up a, a good community both in the classroom and outside the classroom. So why do you think that service learning is such an important opportunity for our students? <laughs> It allows the students to test out the knowledge. It allows them to also learn from the community, right? Right. Um, Since they are practicing also Spanish, right? Even though they're at the end of their major and they're very proficient, but they've never really engaged. It really helps them see the things that we discuss in the classroom being played out and having those conversations and getting people's points of view. And I get to read all the reflections and, and I see the growth. And sometimes I point that out to them. I see the value of really having the students work with the community and learning from our partners. Yeah. It sounds to me like you're a great teacher and we're incredibly fortunate to have you part of our college community. So thank you for what you do. I will second that. Dean Reader, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. I've enjoyed it.